Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Good morning, church. Uh, for those visiting, my name is Joe Tebow. Uh, I am not a pastor here uh, at Faith Baptist Church. Uh, I've been coming here for about uh, two or three years. Uh, I'm currently the manager of Malagash Bible Camp, but I have the privilege and the blessing and the honor to be able to present God's word this morning. Um, so as a church, we have been going through the entire Bible over the last few years, uh, and currently we are going through the teaching of Jesus. We are in the New Testament, we're in the Gospel of John, and so I am very excited uh, to be able to share with you John chapter 10, The Good Shepherd. Uh, and our mini-series, I think, started on July 5th, I am ending it today, but it is upside down, the counter-cultural teaching of Jesus. Uh, and I, I believe that if Jesus was a around today, uh, our culture would not love Jesus. Our culture would hate and despise Jesus because he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so before we get into God's word this morning, let's open up in some prayer. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you are faithful. God, we thank you that you are just. God, that you continue to care for us. God, we thank you so much that you continue to pursue us as your sheep. That when we are lost, when we are uh, strayed away, when we are stuck in the thickets, God, when we are in the ditches of life, that you continue to pursue us. God, we thank you so much that um, we are able to come and, and to be able to read through your word, that we are able to um, collectively in our homes uh, be able to be a testimony and a witness in our community. So God, be with us this morning uh, as we go through John chapter 10. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're going to be going through a few things today. Uh, we're in John chapter 10, going from verse 1 all the way to verse 21. So there is uh, a lot to read through. Uh, and I may go at a, a quick pace. I, I, I'm trying to try to slow down. Uh, but we're going to be going through Jesus as the good shepherd. We'll be learning about Jesus as the door. He is the gateway for his sheep. Uh, and we will also be learning that Jesus is the one true God. He is the Messiah that was uh, told through all of the Old Testament and coming as the Messiah in the New Testament. So my sermon this morning, it's called Good Shepherd, Great God. That not only is Jesus the ultimate good shepherd, but he is the one true great God that always has been since the beginning of creation. Uh, and so let's read uh, some of the text this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon that is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Uh, and, and so I, I believe that Jesus uses parables and Jesus also teaches through questions. Those are the, the two things that I notice all the way through the gospels is that Jesus teaches through stories and he teaches through questions. So the background of, uh, of these verses uh, would be a confrontation out of the Jewish leaders, uh, out of the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus was discussing with the Pharisees what it actually meant to be spiritually blind. Uh, the, the scripture is following the story of the blind man. I'm not sure if you remember, uh, but the man who was blind and Jesus comes, he spits on the ground, he makes some mud and he rubs it uh, in the blind man's eyes and allows him to see once again. And so the Pharisees don't truly understand why Jesus would come and do this. And so Jesus is trying to teach them through uh, some of these stories. And maybe Jesus used uh, the illustration of the shepherd because the Pharisees could relate. They understood uh, the, the, the lay of the land. They understood the occupations that were around. They understood kind of what the shepherd's uh, job would entail. But also, just as today, the word shepherd kind of related to, to leaders. It, it, it related to those that oversaw a, a group of people. And so, I believe that is why um, Jesus used the illustration of the good shepherd. Um, and the Pharisees considered themselves to be the shepherds of Israel. They believed that they were the highest of the high. They believed that they were able to tell everybody else what to do in the land of Israel. And Jesus came along and said, you know what, that's, that's not true. Uh, you are so stuck in the law. You are so stuck in your own traditional ways. And I have come to bring life. I have come to bring abundant life. I have come to bring you out of the law that you are so deeply stuck in. That Jesus is the ultimate way of life. He is the only way to spiritual life and spiritual satisfaction. So a few definitions. I, when I study scripture, I really like to know some of the words that are going, uh, going on here. And, and the word shepherd, it means someone who watches over, guides, or directs in a particular direction. And the word shepherd in, in Hebrew is raw. And it is also synonymous with companion. So not only are we learning that the word shepherd means one who leads and directs, but the word shepherd also means a companion, one that walks alongside uh, of those that they are leading. The word good, we've all heard the word good, but the actual definition of good is to be desired or approved of. They have the qualities required for a particular role and that by which is morally right. 
The Webster's Dictionary informal definition says, having everything desired or required, content and not wanting or needing anything. And I'm not sure if you remember Psalm 23, but when we're talking about the good shepherd, we are not lacking or wanting anything, right? Uh, also going through, uh, through scripture, I was kind of taking notes of uh, all of the famous shepherds. The Bible is full of shepherds. I'm not sure if, if you know, but the first shepherd in scripture is Abel. So Adam and Eve's child, Abel, is the very first shepherd that is actually mentioned in scripture uh, in Genesis 4. I'm not sure if you know, but Rachel, who is Jacob's wife, was a shepherdess even before she met Jacob. Uh, Jacob comes in as a shepherd and then meets a shepherdess, and they are able to continue uh, shepherding their flocks. Uh, in Genesis 37, we know of Joseph, right? Jacob, Jacob's son. Joseph is also a shepherd who watches the sheep. We think about Moses and David. Uh, when they were growing up, they were also shepherds. So in the Bible, there are shepherds all over the place, and I believe God puts them there for a particular reason, because there is an image of Jesus through it all. So if you think about a shepherd's attributes, uh, what is a shepherd like? They're humble. Uh, they aren't the top of the chain. They're not the best of the best. They normally live off in the wilderness uh, watching their sheep. And a lot of people didn't know who they were. A lot of them were dirty. Um, a lot of them were, were crummy. There was a great responsibility for one person to watch a large, large flock. Uh, at, uh, at camp, I'm the camp manager at Malagash, and we have a great responsibility of seeing all of the children that come through. We normally have 460 campers that come through. And there is a great responsibility that we have to be able to shepherd the kids that God has enlisted to us. There's great benevolence and care. Shepherds were very caring people. To be able to take their lives, set their lives aside, and spend the time shepherding their flock. They were very caring. They always came last and they were hardworking. I'm not sure if you know a shepherd. I'm not sure if you know a farmer, but farming is a hard job. You wake up super early in the morning. You go to bed super late at night. There's always livestock. There's always uh, a job to do around the farm. And the same with the shepherds. There was always something to do. We think about the, the shepherd's position. What did they actually do? Back then, shepherds were protectors. Uh, they protected their sheep from thieves. They protected their sheep from robbers. Uh, they protected their, their sheep from wolves, the, the animals that would come and try to steal the sheep. The shepherds, they provided, they provided shelter. They would build uh, a, a place for uh, their sheep to stay overnight. They would lead them to water when they needed to drink. They would bring them to the grass and to the meadows when they needed to eat. Shepherds provided the nourishment that the sheep needed. They were their physical caretaker. If there were any ailments, if a sheep was sick, uh, if they needed to have a leg tended, that was the job of the shepherd. They were pretty much a handyman. They MacGyvered, I'm sure, all the way through their job. The shepherd not only knew the flock as a whole, but knew every individual sheep that was in their flock. They knew their names, they knew their, they knew their needs, they knew their desires, they knew the ones that would go off into the valley, the ones that would stray behind, those that were super slow, the ones that we, they always had to keep uh, nudging with their stick. They knew their sheep, not only as a flock, but as an individual. What a great representation of God's care for us, that God doesn't only care about his church as a whole, but he cares for all of our individual needs. 
According to Philip Keller, who was a, a former shepherd, he said, sheep are dependent animals. As long as they remain close to their owners, they enjoy prosperity, protection, and peace. However, as soon as they wander off from their keeper, they open themselves up to danger and possible death. So just uh, kind of a, a light note, but I was thinking about Abel as the very first shepherd in the Bible. I wonder what his first thought was when he was talking to his father and, and there were lots of animals around and he pointed to the sheep and said, hey dad, they're always like stuck in stuff. They're, they're always lagging behind. They're not the brightest animals. I think I'm gonna devote my entire life to leading that animal. I, I don't know what Abel's thought was, but I, I, I just, I couldn't imagine. So let's go into scripture. When we look into scripture, we always want to point scripture to Jesus. Coming back to the cross, coming back to the gospel. How does the Old Testament fulfill the New Testament? And what is the New Testament saying about Jesus, either after the starting of the church or before the starting of the church with Jesus' ministry? Uh, and here in this scripture, it is so easy to point everything to Jesus because Jesus is the one talking. Jesus is the one pointing the text to himself saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 10, it's often used to represent, uh, it's often used to represent heaven and those that try to get in it by any other way than Christ. But that actually isn't what this text is talking about. I believe that is very important. I think that's a great illustration, but that kind of misguides uh, the entire understanding of this text. Jesus made it clear that the fold is the nation of Israel, uh, that he is teaching on the sheep, uh, on the Gentiles as the other sheep. Since the people did not understand Jesus' parable, he followed the illustration with an application. He is the door to the pen. He is the only way for the Gentiles and for the Israelites, the Jews, to come together and to be able to, to bond together was through him. That was the only way to spiritual freedom. Jesus had a few proclamations in this text. His first proclamation was the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. The only way for the Jewish nation and for the Gentiles to come together was through himself. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way that can, uh, who can protect and nourish our souls. Jesus deeply cares for his flock and he died for his church. And how do we know that Jesus continues to protect his sheep? And how does he protect his sheep? He protects his sheep today by his word, the word of God, that God has given us some clear guidelines uh, and, and some directions of how a believer should live their life. And, and a lot of the times when we stray off from the word of God, when we are completely disobedient from the word of God, then we get ourselves into an, off, uh, an, an awful pickle. Uh, by the spirit that Jesus left, right, in Acts, Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us. Uh, and the Holy Spirit guides believers, those who are sealed and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, are guided and protected. And by Jesus' providence. Uh, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen to believers because there are some awful things that happen in this world. But Jesus continues to protect his sheep. The shepherd's priority, Jesus' priority, it's his sheep right? Those who are directly under his care. Jesus cares for his sheep. I'm not saying that Jesus does not care for all of those that are not his sheep or not in his flock or his fold, but Jesus's priority is his sheep, those that are under his care. And even back in the day, other shepherds would bring uh, their flocks into the fold, 
uh, and Jesus and even the great shepherd would care for them. So the sheepfold, uh, I was going to have uh, something built here this morning, but it, it was just going to take a, a lot of time. But for those who have ever played Gaga Ball, we have a Gaga Ball pit in the back uh, of our church. Uh, the sheepfold was almost like in the shape of a Gaga Ball pit. Uh, in one of the walls, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a wall, it would be a, a, a door. And so the shepherd would actually sit or lay in that door. He would be the one that would protect the sheep, that would allow the sheep to, to come and go. The sheepfold was normally used and made out of rocks or stone, um, and, and at times there would be multiple sheepfolds. Uh, when the shepherd would take the sheep on a journey uh, and there was no cave or there was no shelter, they would try to find rocks or stone to be able to build this fold to protect the sheep from the wolves, to protect the sheep from the robbers and the thieves. Uh, many people came to the Jewish people professing to be their spiritual rulers and guides coming as their answer to hope. But Jesus is saying, you know what? Those are thieves. Those are robbers. I am the one that is able to protect you. Also, the shepherd doesn't stop with leading the sheep out. He also leads them in. And I believe I have some, oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> but he is the way for the church. Those that trust Jesus enter into the, into the Lord's flock and fold. As the door, Jesus delivers sinners from bondage and leads them into freedom. And if Jesus used the analogy of being the door, what does a door do? It opens and it closes, meaning that Jesus separates one thing from another, that Jesus protects uh, a, a certain group of, uh, of people from another. And Jesus separates sheep from the goats, right? We, we learn that in scripture. Jesus separates those who are in bondage to religion and tradition and those who are free in him. Jesus separates the wheat from the tear. We, we've learned in another story that Jesus was able to give. And Jesus separates those who are spiritually dead and those who are alive in him. As the door, Jesus separates. Jesus separates homes. He separates communities. He separates culture and lives because Jesus is saying, I'm the way. And when you follow me, you need to leave your, you, you need to take up your cross and follow me. Jesus separates. And the thing is, we are to be diligent in following Jesus. So how do we determine the Lord's voice? We do it by listening to the shepherd and by spending time in God's word. Uh, so this year, we were blessed uh, by the birth of our second child, Mackenzie, uh, in May during COVID. It was a weird time to be able to have uh, a baby born. Um, but while Mackenzie was in my wife's womb, she heard our voice. She knew uh, what we sounded like. Uh, every night, Jamie would sing songs uh, to, to rock her to sleep. And I'm not sure if you know this, but when babies are born, they have terrible eyesight. Uh, they, they can't see very far in front of them. But whenever we uh, would speak, whenever we would say something, you could see Mackenzie's head tilt to where we are. And so Mackenzie knew uh, our voices because of the amount of time that she already spent with us, uh, that she had an intimate connection with us already. I'm not sure if you've ever been lost in the mall either uh, with your mom or with your parents and you're walking through the mall and you're yelling, mom, mom, or you're yelling for your dad uh, and 30 ladies start looking around for lost children. Uh, but I've done that. I've been in that situation. And, and there are times where you may yell mom or you may yell your mother's name and often in the distance, you hear the voice, you know the voice. And so how do you know your mother's voice? It's because you spent time with your mother. 
Uh, you've spent intimate moments uh, in care under the guidance and leadership and shepherding of your parents. And the same thing with Jesus. How do we know that it is Jesus's voice? It is because we spend time in the word of God. It is because we spend time with the good shepherd. We are in constant communication through prayer or through uh, other means and fellowship and worship. When we know the good shepherd, we know his voice. And if we are not spending time with the good shepherd, it is really difficult to be able to differentiate between a false shepherd and the good shepherd. Uh, the religious authorities um, were, were kind of seen as, as thieves. They, they would like to go around and, and pillage and, and, and take what they wanted. And in this, I was kind of wondering, what is, what is the actual difference between a thief and a robber? Aren't they the same thing? But if it's in scripture, then it's, it's differentiated. Um, thieves take what doesn't belong to them in manipulation or in secret, and robbers would do it in violence, uh, that they would break their way in and through the fold to take the sheep, to take what they wanted to take, and thieves uh, try to do it in secret. In verse 3, sheep wander off in the wilderness. They get stuck in the brush, in ditches. They become distracted by the water, but by the voice of the shepherd, they are able to find their way home. Um, Let's read verse 7 to 13 here. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Wow, that is a lot of scripture. Uh, Jesus is contrasting himself uh, to the false shepherds who were in charge of the Jewish religion of that day. He had already called them thieves and robbers. Jesus is the door, the only way, and he says, by me, if anyone enters, he will be saved. This person will be given life and will be given life abundantly. That when we put our own lives to the side, when we repent, when we come to Christ and we receive him, then we are receiving so much freedom. We are receiving so much peace. Uh, All of the guilt, all of the shame, all of uh, the baggage from our life is left behind us and we receive life and receive it abundantly. In verse 12, Jesus calls the leaders hirelings or hired hands. These are people that are being paid to watch the sheep. They have no real interest in the personal relationship with the sheep. They don't really know uh, all of their needs, everything that they want. They're just paid to take care of them. Uh, I was talking to somebody this week um, who was talking about renting uh, equipment to do some work. And they were saying, you know what, all I do, I just get a little bit of insurance for it, and I, I just, I don't care about it. I can trash uh, the machine. It, it's not my own, uh, my own priority. And I'm not sure if you've been in that situation, uh, that when you grow up, when you start to go into university, when you are buying your first house or your first car, if it is yours, if you are the one that has invested interest, you take care of it, don't you? Uh, I know for me, I take care of it. And, and so for the hired hands and the hirelings, they don't really care about the sheep. And when wolves come, uh, when thieves and robbers come, all they just, they split, they leave. 
Uh, they don't really care about the sheep. It's not their priority. It's not their problem. It's the shepherd's problem. Uh, the shepherd may come back from a day off in the meadow with some of their flock or some of the work that they're doing, and their sheep could be gone. Uh, there could be a, a hired hand that was supposed to be there, but now there's, there's nobody around. The hired hand just did not truly care about the sheep. Our sermon series is called Upside Down, the Counter-Cultural Teachings of Jesus. Here Jesus claims to be the only way. He is the door to the sheepfold. And we live in a culture that is conflicted with different beliefs, Right? Uh, you do your thing, you believe your thing, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Our truths contradict one another, but they're both the same truth, right? It doesn't make sense. And Jesus here is saying, I am the door, I am the way, I am the only one that allows you to get into the sheepfold. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I believe the teachings of Jesus would be casted out from our culture today. Uh, people would feel um, like they are in, in needing to repent or needing to come to Jesus, and they do. They do need that, but people, they want to do their own thing. They want to believe their own truths because people feel comfortable in those things. People feel comfortable living the, the way that they want to live their lives. And Jesus says here, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. John Stott, uh, a guy that I, I really like, I have a bunch of his books, but he says here, one of the most extra, extra, extraordinary things Jesus did in his teaching and did it so obtrusively that many people read the Gospels without even noticing was to set himself apart from everybody else. For example, by claiming to be the good shepherd who went out into the desert to seek his lost sheep. He was implying that the world was lost, that he wasn't, and that he could seek and that he could save. In other words, he put himself in a moral category in which he was alone. Everybody else was hungry. He was the bread of life. Everybody else was sinful. He could forgive. Indeed, on two separate occasions, he did so. And both times, observers were scandalized. They asked, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive but God alone? Jesus claims to be the answer. Right? We're looking for answers through philosophies. We're looking for answers in uh, self-help books. We're, we're looking for answers on how can we feel good or, or what are the right answers or, or the right direction to go with. And Jesus says, I am the answer. I am the way. Jesus claims to be the supplier of hope and life. That he is the one that brings hope. Right now during COVID, there are a lot of hopeless people. There are a lot of people that are really in a dark spot and Jesus is saying, I am the one that brings hope. I am the one that truly provides life. Jesus is the light in the darkness. Jesus is the one that allows us to be able to have a relationship with God the Father. Uh, verses 14 and 18, Jesus knows his sheep. And I looked up the word know. I know what the word knows mean, but in this context, it, is, uh, it means intellectual awareness, having a deep, intimate understanding. Jesus knows our cares, our needs, our desires, and Jesus knows our sin nature and still decided to give his life for ours. That Jesus continues to pursue us when we are in doubt, when we are uh, straying away and walking away from Jesus, Jesus continues to pursue us. Um, I love verses 17 and 18. It's actually two of my very favorite verses in all of scripture. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. 
this charge I have received from my father. See, the good shepherd takes up his life. His voluntary death was followed by an incredible resurrection. Uh, when I teach my staff uh, how to give the gospel and, and what to say, we need to preface that it doesn't end at the cross, right? But we need to go further that not only was, was Jesus crucified and he was buried, but there was also a glorious resurrection. Uh, and a lot of times we miss that. We focus so much on the cross, which is very important because our sin was nailed there, but we also need to focus on the glorious resurrection, that it is only Jesus who is truly able to have the power to raise his life up again, right? Uh, there is no other leader. There has been no uh, political leader. There has been no celebrity who has been able to pass away and bring themselves back from the grave. It is only through, through Jesus Christ. Only he is able to do that. Jesus' statement that he has the authority to lay down his life stretches the imagery of the shepherd, he next proceeds to transcend it altogether by saying he has the authority not only to lay down his life, but also to take it back up again. Jesus, in his foreknowledge and in, in his omniscience, knows what is to come. His disciples don't know. The Pharisees do not know. The followers of Jesus do not know. The entire plan has not been revealed yet. The, the Garden of Gethsemane hasn't come. They're not at Calvary. But Jesus is saying, I am able to take my life up again. I am able to resurrect from the grave. John Piper says, now a mere mortal man might be able to say, I have authority to lay down my life. I can choose to commit a capital crime. I can choose to jump off a cliff. I can choose to step between you and a bullet. But nobody can say, I have authority to take it up again. If you are dead, you don't have any authority to be undead. You can't undead yourself. But Jesus said he could. So he's either insane or he's a mere mortal man. Right? He's either, he's crazy or he is the Messiah that he has already spoken himself to be. In verses 19 to 21, people already thought that Jesus was insane. When Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had no idea who this guy was. Uh, Jesus, even from uh, a young age of teaching in the temple and uh, teaching uh, uh, even to people twice his age, the Pharisees and Sadducees were like, who is this guy? They already thought he was crazy. How at the age of 13, 14, 15 has he already been able to teach adults? They already think he's crazy. The claims that he is making, the, the claims and the miracles of walking on water, of making men who are blind to be able to see again, raising Lazarus from the grave, they already think this guy is a nut job. They, they think that he's crazy. They don't understand Jesus. Just in Jesus' day, there is division among those that follow Jesus and those that reject Jesus. Jesus not only made personal claims, but there was eyewitness testimony, hysterical, historical documents, and, and there's uh, other documents outside of Scripture that points to Jesus. The claims that he has made and mentioned have already come true. I love verse 21. Those that were in support of Jesus saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind, right? That, that there are people who are coming to, uh, to Jesus and, and, and to his support and saying, you know what, this guy isn't crazy. I've actually seen him perform miracles. Uh, I've seen him just not even uh, moments, ago, uh, moments ago just make a blind man see. That is crazy. That there are eyewitness testimonies of support of Jesus. Miraculous works like opening the eyes of the blind can be a valid testimony, but only in accordance with the faithfulness to the word of God. 
These people were right in looking at both the works and the words of Jesus. When I teach about the life and the claims and the miracles of Jesus, I always ask the question, how many prophecies and miracles would Jesus have to perform to be the Messiah? Not just one, not just two, not just three. He had to fulfill every single prophecy in the Old Testament to be who he says that he is. Uh, and I actually, uh, I found 44. I'm, I'm not going to read them all off for you, but in Genesis 3.15 says the Messiah would be born of a woman. Isaiah 7.14 that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. In 2 Samuel, the Messiah would be heir to the king of David's throne. In Psalm 45 and Daniel 2, that the Messiah's throne will be anointed and eternal. Uh, in Jeremiah 31, it, it says that a massacre of children would happen at the Messiah's birthplace. That happened, didn't it? In Psalm 69, 8, the Messiah would be rejected by his own people, and Jesus was rejected by, by the Jewish nation. In Isaiah 61, Jesus, uh, or the Messiah, would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. In Psalm 2, the Messiah would be called king. Psalm 41, the Messiah would be betrayed. Isaiah 53, the Messiah Messiah would be crucified with criminals. Psalm 22, the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. And there's there's so many more, right? There are tons of prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus, he fulfilled every single one. And and so those that were following Jesus can, can point back to the Old Testament and say, you know what? Jesus has fulfilled all of these prophecies, We've walked uh, hand in hand and, and we've, we've gone on adventures with Jesus and he has fulfilled every single prophecy that the Old Testament has spoken about. Jesus was not a deranged person who was demon possessed, but the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. He is the king of the Jews, the one to give his life so that we in return could have everlasting life. Jesus has always been and always will be the living God in flesh who has transformed a world that was lost and in need of forgiveness. That Jesus was so much more than just a man that walked alongside of 12 disciples and and was super great and gave uh, food to to, to the hungry and gave money to the poor. Jesus was one that actually transformed lives from the inside out. That he was the one that gave everlasting life to those around him. Uh, I love the illustration of the good shepherd. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Jesus has a deep, intimate longing to know his sheep and to care for his sheep. And I believe all of this is countercultural with Jesus. Uh, so the gospel throughout the text is evident. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He puts his life on the line for his sheep. Jesus Christ, in his power, sovereignty, and plan, has created a way for us to have a, having a relationship with God the Father. Jesus laid his life down so that we could take it up again in a victorious resurrection. Jesus defeated sin, death. He, he defeated Satan when he rose again out of the tomb. Jesus is the door, the only way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to God the Father. Jesus came so that we could be made new, so that our lives could be made new, so that we can find hope in in Jesus. Only through the gospel of Jesus Christ do we have true peace with, with the one and true God. But as believers, we need to be mindful of the warning that Jesus gives about division, that there are those that violate There are those that create havoc. There are those that try uh, to to split the church. 
And so a warning to the church, uh, Matthew 7, 15, it says, beware, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That there are, are a ton of famous preachers and pastors. There are people who may come and, and try to give spiritual lessons or spiritual truth, but they are false teachers. There are people who present themselves as people who believe in the word of God, but don't actually preach the gospel. Uh, there are people who, who come along and their one mission is to divide the true church. Those that are wanting to follow Jesus and those that want to follow their self and to do their own thing. But we need to follow the good shepherd. We need to be in the word of God so that we are able to divide from the good shepherd and those that are false shepherds. We need to find those who are, uh, who are, who are incredible shepherds in our local churches those that rightly divide the word of truth. And here at Faith Baptist, we have incredible shepherds, those that stay, whole, to, that stay true to the word of God, that love Jesus, that love the gospel, that proclaim the entire message of hope and restoration. And, and I, I just pray that you find a church uh, where those who are leading are those that follow the word of God those that are taking time to be in the word of God that aren't trying to take their own messages from scripture, taking what they feel the Bible should, should say or not say, but those who are following the proclamations of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. An encouragement to the saints. Jesus knows your thoughts. Jesus knows your cares. Jesus knows your desires. Jesus knows the most inward part of your soul and he still cares. Those that may feel like they are lost or wandering, those may, that may feel like they're not close to Jesus right now, those that feel like Jesus may not truly care for them, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is there for you. Jesus is the only door to, to eternal salvation. He protects and secures your salvation. Jesus pursues his lost sheep, those in his church who have gone astray, and Jesus' voice leads us from destruction that we are to follow the voice of the true shepherd. And when we do that, our life, there's still gonna be difficulties, but the, the life of destruction, will, we're able to stray away from that. Jesus is an active pursuit of his sheep. Uh, that not only uh, does Jesus care, but Jesus is there pursuing those that love and follow him. Jesus cares not only for the flock as a whole, but as you as an individual. Uh, he cares for his individual sheep. So trust in the one who is not only powerful, but the one who is all-knowing. The one who truly knows your heart and cares for you just the same. A plea to the unsaved. There is only one gate, only one way, and that is Jesus. All teachings of humanism, all teaching of philosophy and religiosity and tradition, that doesn't cut it. That does not get you into having a relationship with God the Father. The only way to having a relationship with God the Father is through Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for us. That my plea to you is, is to put away all of, uh, all of, that, uh, all of those teachings. Uh, to, to put away uh, your, your thoughts and, and the feelings that you may have on what you, have, uh, what you think about the Bible, but follow Jesus, follow the good shepherd. Don't waste your time focusing on those who come to kill, steal, and destroy. Have your eyes set on the good shepherd. Today, give your life to Christ. Repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just a reminder for all of us. When we do not have our eyes on the shepherd, we wander, we get lost, we have become distracted, we get caught in the thorns and the bushes or in the valley by ourselves. The good shepherd doesn't stray. The good shepherd never gets stuck in the valley. The good shepherd isn't the one in the thorns, but he continues with his voice to lead us away from those things. Keep your eyes focused on the good shepherd. Live your life in accordance to the proclamations that he has made. And when he tells us to come in and out of the fold, listen to his direction. As the true shepherd, Jesus saved us, secured us, and he continues to satisfy us. All other false shepherds will steal, kill, and destroy. Apart from Jesus, we will have a feeling of of emptiness, a, a, a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. That it is only Jesus that saves, secures, and satisfies. Who is your shepherd? Uh, we all follow something or somebody. Some of us follow celebrities or famous pastors or preachers or theologians or, or those who write novels. Who are you following? Are we following the good shepherd? Are we being led into the ways of righteousness and, and purity and holiness? Or are we, we falling away and and, and and following those who don't actually fulfill us. Who is your shepherd? Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory and ever, amen. Psalm 23 says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Can you today say that the Lord is your shepherd? Can you today say that you follow the guidance and the leadership and the direction of the good shepherd? Uh, Can you today say that you have found hope and restoration, and satisfaction in Jesus. And if you have never heard the gospel message, and if this is your first time ever tuning in, I hope that you have been able to to learn something today about what Jesus has done for you, that Jesus does care for you, that Jesus put his life on the line for you as an individual, that all of your sin, all of your destruction, all all of the wickedness in our hearts, Jesus nailed it to the cross. But not only did our sin stay at the cross, but when Jesus was buried on the third day, he rose again and he defeated all of those things. One of the greatest things, and and I'm going to pray right after this, um, is a prayer. Uh, I cannot pronounce this man's name. I'm not going to try. Uh, But it is a prayer to the shepherd. Oh God in heaven, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, intercede for your people. Deliver us at the opportune time. Preserve in us the true, genuine Christian faith. Collect your scattered sheep with your voice. Your divine word, as holy writ calls out, help us recognize your voice. Help us not to be allured by the madness of the world so that we may never fall away from you, O Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. 
God, we thank you for the reminder today in your scripture that you are the good shepherd. There are those who are trying to kill, steal, and destroy. There are those who are trying to lead us away from you, God. And I just pray that you continue to hold tight onto us. God, we thank you that you are the one that saves and secures and satisfies. We thank you that in all things and in all trials and tribulations and difficulties in life, that you still care for us, that you still pursue us. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you that we can come together collectively as a body of believers where we love you, we worship you. And God, I pray for those who are listening in for the very first time, those who have never made a profession of faith, those who have never repented or given their lives to you, God, I just pray through this message of hope and salvation that they can find newness in you. God, we thank you so much for our local church here. God, I thank you in and through our communities, there are believers who hold tight to your word. There are people who uh, are, are, are being witnesses and testimonies of, of hope during this time of COVID. God, I pray that you continue to use us as your sheep. God, I pray that you continue to use us uh, in the relationships around us, in our communities, in our, our relationships with our, our family members. And God, as we learn today, there is separation. Those who follow the truth and the word of God and those that hold tight to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and those that reject Jesus. God, I pray that we continue to remain faithful to you and to your word. And God, we thank you in all things you continue to remain faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.